Okay, for our first message this morning, we get the pleasure of listening to Mr. David Hope, and his message is entitled, The Last But Not the Least Commandment. Mr. David Hope. Thank you, John. Good afternoon, everyone, on this good casino day if you're a gambler. What is 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, 15? I don't know if 15's any good, but it looks like most of you aren't gamblers. We're having, uh, taking a couple of minutes to have a little, a few little handouts here. And uh, today I'm going to do things a little bit different than what, what we normally do. We used to do this a lot in years past, although this is kind of a modification off of that. It's not like a real Bible study per se. Um, in, in smaller groups that some of us have an opportunity to go to, like Enid and down Arkansas, Missouri, and some other places, uh, sometimes it's a little easier to do this kind of a uh, presentation because you have smaller people. You don't have to project so much and all that if you're out there. And um, I was going to ask, to, well, I did ask to, with how hard it would be to have a microphone to pass around because I do really would like to have participation on your part. And uh, uh, let me see. And today, uh, basically, I'm going to start off with three comments, then three questions, and then no telling where after that. But anyway, the uh, three comments. One, I'm not totally locked into my notes. <laughs> I have notes. I'm not locked into it. I don't have to go that way. I do have several things I want to bring out, and hopefully some way or another, whether you offer it or whether I add to it or whatever, that these things will come out. And for the most part, I'm not going to consider any right or wrong answers. A lot of it's conjecture, a lot of it's, you know, your own personal opinion. So don't, don't feel embarrassed, you know, if you, if you feel that your answer is not exactly what you think everybody else is going to say. And then they won't be difficult questions either. Uh, and we have the handouts here. The first part of it is the Ten Commandments, which is the abbreviated uh, part of it. You know, it's, we're not drawn out, you know, all of the ins and outs. And basically, I know everyone knows what they are, and probably most of you know what order, but I just decided to have them passed out just so you could look at them. And when I ask a question or so, you'll at least see, you know, all of them right there, and you won't have to think about them. Um, Question number one, I've got three questions, but uh, question number one, which of the Ten Commandments do you feel, personally, is the most spoken about or talked about, messages about, and what you've heard the last several years? Any, any comments on one that you feel that may be uh, brought up quite a bit? Now, this is no wrong answer. Okay, scratch that off. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say, let me, let me uh, thank you for the participation. I've got my wife sitting down here on the front because uh, we don't have the microphone, and, and if you don't talk loud enough, you know my ears, even these hearing aids, sometimes they do English and sometimes they don't. Uh, I understand my wife better than any of you, so uh, I, I saw Reg's hand first. Reg? Okay, let me paraphrase that. Reg is saying that we've had quite a bit of me quite a few messages on idolatry, on idols, and what else? 
basically along that line, okay? Uh, a lot of you agree with that or disagree? That's okay, it don't matter. That, that's been in. Uh, Ken was next. Okay. Okay. Ken, Ken said that thou shalt no, have no other gods before me, and that was what number? Where's my card? <laughs> First one. First one. Oh, okay. I said most of us know what these are. What order? Most of us. Okay. Like I said, there's no there are no right or no wrong answers about it. Uh, does anybody else have anything that they'd like to add to that particular part of it? Okay. Um, one I chose, and you may or may not agree with, but the one I chose is number 10, coveting. I, I don't recall over the year, maybe I've missed a lot of them, but I don't hear a lot of them. But on the other hand, you really do with some of the other commandments. You really do hear that. Uh, not that we don't ever. This just Like I said, it's just a matter of conjecture. And, and uh, I, I chose to uh, uh, speak about coveting. And... I don't know how many of you ever watch these TV crime shows on TV, you know, 48 Hours and, and uh, Ameri you know, all kinds of crime shows, forensic science and all that. A lot of them on there. My wife and I, since we're getting a little more inactive in our older age, we watch a little more than maybe what we should. But um, uh, most of, in most cases, those crimes, when you really look at it and really analyze it, the root cause of a lot of those crimes that I, that I see on TV, the root cause is coveting in one form or another. And just bear with me a little bit. Uh, you'll notice at the bottom of your handout that I gave uh, a, a um, print of Clark's commentary. And you, some of you wonder, why do you use commentaries, you badmouth them so much. <laughs> you know, I sound like I'm arrogant, no, what, no matter what, you know, I, I know more than these commentaries, commentators do. I don't, I really don't. But uh, Adam Clark had a really good one, and, and I'll attempt to read it, and if I don't do justice on it, you can keep that and read it yourself. But I, I like the way Adam Clark's commentary went on the, the coveting. Says you shall, and then he's reading it, or paraphrasing it first, I mean, or reading it. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and we hear that all the time. Nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, and today and age, you know, be his truck, his automobile, or some something, you know, the way he makes a living. His ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. And then he says, covet signifies, this is Adam Clark saying, covenant Covet signifies the desire or long after in order to enjoy as a property the person or thing coveted. He breaks this commandment, no, he breaks this commandment, who by any means endeavors to deprive a man of his house or his farm by taking them over his head. I'm going to hold you my finger there for a second. And, and, and in this country, a lot of times we call it eminent domain. Most of you are familiar with the uh, Flying J uh, truck stop just east, west of here a little ways. Uh, this was a deal of eminent domain. Now, if the government wants to come and get me, that's okay. But I, I used to work for the people that owned the property. It was a farmhouse. A lot of you lived in the area for a long time. Uh, knows what it is. Now, I'm not saying somebody got murdered because of it, but 
that was the case, and I worked for the people after the property was sold. They condemned it and they sold it, you know, and the government or the, you know, property people took it over and were making a lot of money. They took that. It was in a family for years. Okay. Uh, over their head. As it is expressed in some countries, who lust after his neighbor's wife, and listen to this, and endeavors to ingratitate himself into her affections, and to lessen her husband in her, in her esteem. You know, someone that wants to make her husband seem less. You know, this is a form of it. And who endeavors to possess himself of the servants, cattle, etc., of another in any clandestine or unjustified manner. So it's not, not wrong just to desire something, it's how we go about it and the intent and the focus that we put on it. This is not, no, and, and I like this part and I thoroughly agree with it. This is a most excellent moral precept, the observance of which will prevent all public crimes. Now we may take issue with that, but it, it's, it's saying a lot, in which if we observe that, we'll prevent all public crimes. For he who feels the force of the law and prohibits the inordinate desire of anything that is the property of another can never make a breach in the peace of society by an act of wrong to any or, or to any of even its feeblest members. So if, if we all really took seriously uh, thou shalt not covet and all of the ramifications in there, we will minimize, and when you really think about it, an awful lot of problems. If you'll go with me now to Mark the seventh chapter, Mark 7 verse 17. Mark 17, 7 through, ooh, <clears throat> 7 through 17, 23, okay. And Mark says, and we're breaking into a subject, you'll have to read the other, but anyway, we're breaking in. And when he was entered to the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are you so, are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whosoever, or whatsoever thing is from without enters into the man, and it cannot defile him, because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly, and goes out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which comes out of a man, that defiles a man, the thing, the thoughts he do. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries, fornications, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defiles the man. Did I have... Yeah, I had covetous in there. I, I didn't pause enough on that. Okay. Uh, now we'll go back. Uh, let me just ask another question. I did my first three. Here's, here's another question I would like to ask. Um, 
since we're on that subject, are you, uh, I know you have um, examples in, uh, in your own mind of in the Bible that coveting, severe coveting, got people in trouble or, or caused some problems. Uh, anybody have any particular they'd like to mention? Steve Andrews. David and Bathsheba. Has anybody ever heard that story, David and Bathsheba, about coveting? Yeah, uh, very good. In fact, that's, that's one I had down. It's not in the exact order, but uh, it's one I had down, and I was, I was hoping someone would have that. And we have another hand raised up there. Uh, uh, Mr. Gregory. Coveting money. Okay. I would ask the feedback on the internet there if they could understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, the love, of, the the coveting of money, the, and what what were some of your words on that? Stock market. Individual criminals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if I mentioned it. I think I didn't, uh, uh, which went right along. And I'm glad you brought that up because it still goes along with my train of thought. Uh, when I when I was mentioning a while ago that most of them had to do with uh, most of the crimes had to do with coveting. Uh, let me come back uh, my notes here. Um, okay, and most okay. Um, most most of the the crimes that I've, I've seen on TV and maybe I did mention it had to do with murder and stealing or robbery or something. Most of those had uh, and and you can trace those right back to the form of, of, of coveting when you really look at it, and especially when you look at some of those shows and you see how they saw these things and and sometimes it's very unlikely. Usually in a murder situation, the first first one they suspect is is the mate, so. So if anything happens to me, you know, they're going to suspect my wife, <laughs> you know, first of all. And, and most of you be witnesses. Yeah, I can see how she would do that. And, you know, you wouldn't help her out much. But anyway, but they, they, look, they look at somebody close to them, friends, and, and uh, even, even on robbery. And, and you'll have to watch some of these crime shows and just, just see if you can read in some of the stuff there. Okay, uh, uh, I'm going to go back first. Uh, Steve mentioned uh, David and Bathsheba, and, and most of you, or a lot of you, if you don't know where it is, I'll tell you. It's uh, 2 Samuel 11, verse uh, uh, 1. And, and, and like I said, you know, this, this is familiar, but it, it really uh, is good to read a little bit of it anyway. I'm not going to read very much of it. I'll just read just enough to, uh, in case uh, we have some people out here online that aren't familiar with the situation. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, I'm going to just go through 6, and, and I'll have to paraphrase a little bit. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings uh, go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rahab, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. So he didn't go out, he stayed at home. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from his bed, you know, he might have been taking a nap or whatever, I don't know what he was doing, 
uh, anyway, and walked upon the roof, and they had the places, you know, back in those days where you could walk around your balcony or roof or something, and uh, about the roof of the king's house, and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. Ooh, maybe that's called, why they call her Bathsheba. <laughs> Bath, <laughs> anyway. Uh, washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And, and we've seen people like that, men and women both. Are, and David sent and inquired after the woman, mistake number one. And, and one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eli? Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned into her house. And the woman conceived, lo and behold, can that ever happen? And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, Hey, man, we're in trouble. My husband's been gone for a long time, and he, you know, he knows how many months it takes, you know, and we're in trouble. And David, verse 6, And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite, Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. And I'm going to just paraphrase this because we've got a lot to cover. And we know the story, you know, that David sent uh, uh, for her husband and, and uh, tried to get him to to go in and, you know, and do the manly thing and, and keep his wife company. And, and, um, and, you know, Uriah, you know, the man that he was, he was not about to go in and have pleasure and take the dainties of life while his men were out in the battlefield fighting and all that. And, you know, he, was, he, he just did not do it. And he slept on the porch, so to speak. And David said, oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, David couldn't talk him into doing it, so he went back. And the uh, rest of the story is, you know, to cover his trail, and we know what he did. You know, he had, he had him murdered. He had him sent up on the front lines where he knew he would get killed. And uh, so he went right there and killed. And uh, one, uh, one question, uh, you, somebody will tell me in a little bit, you know, I thought you had three questions. One, one question I... I didn't put in there was which commandment do you feel is most apt to cause a person to break more of the commandments? That, that was supposed to have been before this fill-in there, but anyway, the, uh, my question was that I didn't ask was which commandment do you feel is most apt to cause a person to break more of the other ten commandments? I'm sorry? Number six. Number six, Larry says. Let me see what it says. Thou shalt not kill. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that or just leave it at that? End up killing them. Interpret. Okay, yeah. The interpreter says, and I, I think I heard that, that because uh, it causes somebody else to be killed. And uh, we'll go to, uh, uh, here's one that I think uh, may not have come to your mind right away, but uh, in First Kings 21st chapter, talking about coveting, and it has to also, like I mentioned a while ago, eminent domain. Uh, this, this is 
not necessarily the same thing, but they're similar. Uh, 1 Kings 21st chapter, and I've got 1 through 16. I don't know what I gave... Um, I don't know what I gave back there on that. It's 1 Kings 21st chapter. And, oh, okay, he's got it there. One, verse 1. Um, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, Naboth, anyway, had vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the place of the king of Samaria, right next to his place. Verse 2, And Ahab spoken to Naboth, saying, Give me your, your vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give you for it a better vineyard than it. Just kind of like this other place, you know, he wanted to, he, he wanted to be fair with him. Or, it se- or whatever it seems good to you, I will give you the worth and money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. And, and a lot of us can identify with that. We, you know, I have some land that's uh, part of <laughs> probably 20 or 15 people, you know, that are inheriting it now, you know, after my dad and my and uncle and all them. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to get rid of that land. It's been in the, the, the family since... Uh, uh, the sooner days, you know, the land rush days, you know, we don't want to get rid of that. It's up there close to where Steve works, up in the Hallett area, there Jennings. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't want to, to give up that land. And Ahab came into his house uh, heavy and displeased because the word of Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him and he had said, I will not give him the the inheritance of my fathers, and he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and, and would not eat bread. He was very upset, very distraught. But Jezebel, his wife, came unto him and said unto him, Why is your spirit so sad that you eat no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spoke unto Naboth, the Jezreelite, and he said, and said unto him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give it another, give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Do you not, no, does you not now govern, do you now govern the kingdom of Israel? You know, don't you have the power to do this? Arise and eat bread, and let your heart be married. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters to Ahab's, in Ahab's name, and sealed it with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders uh, and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling in, with Naboth. And she wrote in letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people, and set two men, sons of Beliah before him to bear witness against him, you know, false witness, saying, you did blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of the city, even the elders and nobles who were in the inhabitants of his city did as Jezebel had sent unto them. <coughs> Excuse me. And as it was written in the letter which she had sent to them, they proclaimed, proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. 
And there came and came in two men, children of Beliah, and set before him, and the men of Beliah witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Verse 14. <clears throat> then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, and Jezre the Jezreelite, which he refused to give to you for money, for Naboth is alive, or, or is not alive, but dead. You know, very classic example, and how many times do things like that happen, you know, throughout the world, not just in our country, but throughout the world because of someone's greed, someone's vanity, someone wanting, you know, gain. Um, any comments before I move on? Spur any thoughts? Okay, good. Well, not good. I just said that. It just had something to do, just filler. No. Um, I'm going to go over to the New Testament now, over to uh, Romans, and there's so many, many scriptures we can we'll come to. Uh, practically any subject you come to, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, examples similar to those, but we'll go to Romans, the seventh chapter, and, and uh, verse seven, very, very briefly on this. Is that mine? No, it's my interpreter. Oh well, that's okay. Step on it. <laughs> That's all right. Whew. Where's my water? <sighs> See if I sit on the front row again. No, I'm, actually, I'm running a little long on time. And, no, I'm not. That's why she wants to kill me, because, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to put her down. I thought it really was my phone. It sounded a lot like mine. Romans um, 7, chapter and verse 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? And a lot of people will say, ah, that, ain't, that ain't no good. It's done away. God forbid. Of course not. No. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And that particular word lust in, in there is uh, basically concupiscence, you know, the evil, wicked way of doing things. It's not wrong to desire things, it's just the, the intent of our desire. Uh, turn over real quick to, not re, you don't have to go real quick, but to um, uh, James, the first chapter. James, the first chapter. James chapter 1 and verse um, 12 through 15. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, when, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which 
the Lord has promised to them that love him, and we do love God. What is love of God? You know, that we keep his commandments, da-da-da. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. And so many scriptures you can think of right offhand, you know, blank, 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 blank. It would keep us from out of that situation. You know, don't, don't look at a person to lust after them. Don't think about these things, you know. Uh, so many, 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 many things that, that we know that if we squelch it and stop it right at the very beginning and don't let some of these thoughts that we have bear, bear fruit, stop it. Uh, anyway, drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And like Curtis mentioned here a few weeks back, you know, sometimes we think that our thoughts are God's thoughts. You know, we can justify, and, and, and I've got stories about that too. You know, I, uh, you know, all of us have tried to justify some of our little actions that don't seem like it's really, really all that bad. But, you know, uh, sometimes I get the idea that, you know, my, my thoughts are God's thoughts. Then, verse 15, uh, then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. One more scripture in conclusion. Uh, let's go to First Timothy, sixth chapter. First Timothy, sixth chapter, and verse nine to about fourteen, and. Like the others, a lot of times we have to break in the middle of a subject. We don't always have time to read all before and before and after, but uh, here's a good place to break into it. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love, and here's a scripture that Lawrence was referring to, for the love of money is a root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And how, how many sorrows can we have sometimes with just one wrong thought that we allow to go astray, that we don't get it in check? But you, O man, let me see. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give you charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ.